Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode of JTCast, the official podcast of the Journal of Athletic Training. I am your host, Luke Donovan. For the second episode of the month, I will discuss another article from the upcoming issue of JT titled, Collegiate Athletic Trainers' Experiences with External Pressures Faced During Decision-Making by Dr. Alicia Pike Lacey and colleagues from the University of Connecticut, the University of Lynchburg, and A.T. Still University. As a reminder, the article discussed today can be found on the JAT website, natajournals.org. And please remember that all content from JAT is open access to all readers thanks to the funding from the National Athletic Trainers Association. First step, surveying the scene. In the previous episode, we discussed a systematic review that synthesized research from 51 articles pertaining to the prevalence, cause, and impact of burnout among athletic trainers. The primary take-home points of that episode were that burnout causes emotional, physical, and behavioral consequences and is mostly derived from work-life conflict and role strain. Some solutions to alleviate burnout in athletic trainers were by diminishing work-life conflict, by establishing social support systems, establishing clear boundaries, and having a formalized work schedule. The head athletic trainer is also thought to greatly contribute to work-life balance, where an investigation theorized that if the head athletic trainer practiced and valued work-life balance and encouraged staff members to disengage, that burnout would be less likely to occur within the respective work environment. The The second episode is going to continue the theme of conflict, but shift away from global burnout and focus specifically on the perceived external pressures faced by collegiate athletic trainers while making medical decisions. The notion of coaches and other non-medical personnel influencing medical decisions such as returning a patient to competition by adding pressure to the athletic trainer has been anecdotally and empirically reported. In response, the NCAA established a rule in 2016 that athletic trainers and team physicians have the final determination regarding all medical care decisions. The aim of this mandate was to ensure all medical decisions were being made by a healthcare provider and to limit conflict from non-medical stakeholders such as coaches and administrators. Sport-related concussions are particularly prone to leading to conflict between athletic trainers and coaches due to the unpredictable timeline and variability in symptoms across patients. As a profession leading the understanding and treatment of concussions, we know that a linear progression to return to sport is the goal, however, it's not always the circumstance. Some days, athletes may report diminished symptoms, which may provide coaches a false sense of hope that the student-athlete may be returning soon. But in reality, athletic trainers understand that each phase of progression is not a set timeline. The frequency of pressure by coaches reported by team physicians and athletic trainers is less in Division III athletics when compared to Divisions II and I. Much of the previous literature has focused primarily on pressure felt by clinicians specific to treating concussions within Division I football settings. Therefore, a more in-depth analysis of perceived pressure across more sports within that setting is warranted. As such, the purpose of the article discussed today was to develop a more comprehensive understanding of pressure athletic trainers may face across all sports within a Division I setting classified within the football bowl subdivision. The authors guided their study by two research questions. Do athletic trainers perceive there to be pressures placed on them when treating injuries and clearing athletes to return to play? And two, how are athletic trainers managing their experiences with pressure to return student athletes to play? 
Data was obtained by interviewing nine athletic trainers who were employed at a NCAA Division I FBS institution and provided medical coverage to at least one NCAA-affiliated sport. The interview guide was developed by members of the investigative team and constructed from previous work on organizational culture and conflict. The guide was further evaluated by a field expert who was not involved within the interview process. The authors elected to use a semi-structure format, meaning there was standard interview questions, but the discussion may flow away from the set questions to explore additional dialogue and experiences brought up by the athletic trainer being interviewed. The interview guide consisted of 17 questions with additional follow-up questions embedded. Examples of primary questions were, you mentioned you ultimately report to, insert the individual's title, does that have any impact on the return to play decisions you make? Please describe the relationships you have with the athletes you work with. Do you perceive pressures from your athletes regarding return to play decisions? Do you ever feel pressure from your coaches regarding return to play decisions? Has a coaching staff member ever criticized you in front of fellow staff members regarding your medical care? Have you ever felt like you needed to choose between job security and the well being of your patients? After reviewing all of the interviews conducted, the authors found two major themes and four sub-themes from these interviews. The two major themes were that, one, participants were very forthcoming about reporting external pressures encountered during medical decision-making from coaches, student-athletes, and administrators. This pressure was greater in athletic trainers who worked with revenue-generating sports such as football. The other major theme was that participants were willing to provide strategies to mitigate negative effects of pressure. Participants did express that they felt the pressure received was an expected component of the athletic training profession. The participants further explained that the pressure was not negatively rooted, but rather stemmed from a quest for knowledge regarding the athlete's status and eagerness to return sport and not an attack on the athletic trainer's skill set or abilities. Even though the felt pressure was not expressed as negative, but rather an inherent part of the job, the interviewed athletic trainers did provide recommendations to reduce negative effects of pressure. The three strategies were, first, maintaining effective communication with coaches and student athletes. Second, providing rationales or explanations for decisions made. And third, developing positive relationships. Specific recommendations were to provide frequent communication with all key stakeholders related to injury status and timelines. And while communicating, be sure to answer questions with clear rationale, even if the decisions are not favorable. Finally, positive relationships should be built through trust. If stakeholders believe and trust that the athletic trainer is always doing what is best, less conflict arises. Overall, athletic trainers within Division I athletics were open about reporting the pressures from non-healthcare stakeholders. Multiple strategies were presented to alleviate conflict that can matriculate from these pressures. Future studies should continue to explore perceived pressures across other settings and identify whether these pressures ultimately influence decision-making processes. In the meantime, adopting some of the strategies presented to better communicate and contextualize medical decisions may help alleviate negative consequences of pressure. Well, that is it for today's JT Cast. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast, which is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Stitcher. You can find out more information about upcoming podcasts and other JT events on our Twitter, 
Facebook and Instagram accounts at JT underscore NATA. Thank you for listening and keep a lookout for next month's JD cast.